Live. Awesome, we are live. Yay! Okay, uh, this is Joy Foster, and I'm the founder of Technixies, and I am delighted, delighted, delighted to be talking today with Vanessa Valle. So I have met Vanessa through various uh, tech circles, tech network, tech networks, uh, and you are, you know, in my view, you're one of the queens of um, advancing technology uh, or advancing women's equality and diversity in technology. And I feel so lucky that I've, I've met you in person. I've spent some time with you uh, and I've been, I've read your book and I'm just in awe of you. And I wanted to bring some of that awe to our community because I want our community to start to understand uh, how important equality and diversity is. And if, if this was not, uh, if this whole thing hadn't happened, we were still going to be doing this conversation. And of course, we can't ignore what's happened in America with George Floyd and our hearts go out to his family and our hearts go out to the change that needs to happen uh, in America, but also here at home uh, in the UK. And I say home in a funny way because I'm, I'm British and I'm not quite British yet, but I am American and I've got permanent residency here. So I live in these two worlds. Um, but Vanessa, really, I mean, you're also the pearly queen of the city of London as well. Yeah. It's not just the, the tech inclusion and equality queen, the but- out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell us a little bit about your journey and um, and introduce yourself, uh, and I'm just so delighted you're here. Oh, thank you for such a wonderful opening. Can you be with me every morning, every day? Absolutely. Um, we need it right now, right? Um, so my story, where does it begin? Uh, it begins in East London, um, in Hackney, very trendy area now, but not so much when I lived there. Um, fairly kind of socially, economically deprived kind of area, but full of culture, full of amazing people, taught me lessons that no college or university could have ever taught me. So a real sense of kind of community. So I grew up there, um, wasn't particularly a lover of school. I had big ambitions, but I didn't really realize that it was my education that I would need to fulfill them. So I was quite disruptive, um, too much energy, and the class clown basically, but got to about 14 and kind of having conversations with career officers, um, telling them that I wanted these big jobs and and it, it wasn't until I was 15 I realized where that big job was but they kind of said to me you know you need to get your head down and so for the last year of my GCSEs I kind of turned up for school and did get my head down I was very lucky that teachers rallied around me because they used to say I was very bright but I just didn't apply myself and but the reason being is I had bigger dreams I just wanted to get out there and get a job um, and the reason I wanted to get out there and get a job was was Kind of, I'd always watch my mum, so she's a single parent, and she had a very, very strong work ethic. You know, she kind of brought me up, if you want things in life, you have to work for them. So she used to run her own job, four jobs of an evening, kind of cleaning um, around the city. Some buildings that I've gone back and spoken, I thought, this is career. I used to, I used to empty bins here um, when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, so she had a very strong work ethic that, you know, we would have a better life if we put the effort in. So not ideal, but again, gives you a really good value set. So if I could go and get a job, she wouldn't have to work so hard. And we were very much a tag team, me and my mum. So had these big dreams, say from the 18th floor of the high rise that we lived in, which again was full of community, full of spirit. Every, all the mums used to kind of help each other and stuff. Um, I could see into the city and I could see the tallest building there. And I knew that financial district was where they made money. And I was very money orientated because say, you know, money to, for me equaled a much better life in terms of things that we could do and, and the kind of less hard work. So I headed up there when I was 16. I was kind of put off before I even went. The careers officer said, oh, girls don't work in banks. That's the first thing. 
um, and girls like you. But what she was actually saying is, I was a little bit chippy um, when it comes to my attitude, um, which God knows why, I had nothing to back it up. You know, it wasn't like I was, you know, come out with super GCSEs or anything like that. But, you know, I just felt I had nothing to lose. Anything I got when I went up there was a bonus. Um, so I knew that's where the money was made. I'd watched the film Wall Street when I was about 15. And again, you know, not the rude one that's out these days, but just seeing that financial district, wondering where the women were, uh, you know, uh, and seeing, you know, pictures of women in film that weren't always positive ones. I thought, why can't I go up in the city and get myself a big job like that, you know, make my millions. So um, just, I remember, because I'm an August birthday, so I got, I was still 15, you know, when everyone kind of left school. So I have to wait to got that national insurance card. The minute I got that, got on the bus, went up to Liverpool Street, applied for every single job. And this was back in the days where you would fill out an application form and hand it into a real person. And and for me, the answer was generally always no. And it was no for a number of reasons, right? Firstly, there was um, the lack of academic uh, background. You know, as I say, I, I scraped through. I got a C in dance. Um, no one really wants me to dance for them, do they? Um, I did I did get a C in maths. Um, I think I got a C in history, but the rest of them, I mean, the irony, right? I got an F in computer science uh, or computer studies, which turned out to be my career. But anyway, as I said, I had nothing to lose. And I did have as much as I talk about attitude and I talk about this with kids in schools, you know, attitude is everything. What the one side of my attitude was, I can do anything if you'll give me a chance. Um, so kind of that attitude served me well, but back to the kind of applications, no one was giving me a job academic. I think there was an element of bias in there as well. I had an E8 postcode. I think there was a, perhaps a stereotype of what was associated with a kid from the wrong side of the tracks at the time. Um, I'm not quite sure, but anyway, I did manage to get a job and I managed to get a job because the bank was taking in all of its normal kind of, you know, academic intake and decided to, I mean, when you think about it, this was pretty awesome, right? Do their bit in terms of those from less challenged from more challenged areas. And they took in three kids uh, from the local trouble school um, of which I was one of them. Um, and I turned out to be trouble because I lost that job after six months and I, <laughs> And I was devastated. I was the first one in my family to go and work in a bank. You know, they were so proud of me and I mucked it up basically. And, and I mucked it up for the reason that kind of where I grew up, if someone just shows like bad behavior or anything like that, you call it out and you call it out regardless of who that person is. So I kind of hit a situation where I kind of rebuted the behavior of someone that I didn't think was acceptable, but at 16, there's probably a better way of kind of doing that, you know? So I wasn't very popular. Um, I think- I, the, I have to stop you there for one second and I don't wanna, I don't wanna stop your flow, but I, I, I just wanna to highlight two things. One, because some people, you really went very fast over the fact that you were cleaning buildings in London as, and I think you, as long young as 11, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is, that's a very important part of your story and what that leads to and how you got to where you got. But let me just say something, about, as well, you spoke about that postcode, you know, like people look at, you know, maybe without even that subconscious bias around the postcode. Yeah. And what I'm finding and what I'm trying to educate women about is there's an unconscious bias about their email address. So if they're still using an AOL email address or a Yahoo email address or a Hotmail email address, they are dating themselves to a period of time in technology. So that's one of the pieces that's that we really see. interesting. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I've got to talk about this because I know there's people listening to this right now who have AOL accounts and Hotmail accounts and, and they need to move away from those. And obviously we What's encourage- cool? What's, What's cool? That? 
what's the hotmail address that we need to have or what's the oh, new thing well I, well I, the, the, the gmail is what we teach of course um okay. but there's also g suite which is your own brand so you know your you know joy.fosteretechpixies.com you know and i've got my business around that um and the mistake people make is they'll buy a, a url but they don't actually have a website for it but that's another discussion but i do think you know there's a power in 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 microsoft office uh 365 or 360 or 365 when you've got the whole suite um and the OneDrive and the online cloud stuff but gmail's free and it's at least in this it's it's at least the modern one right now you know and wow. who knew <laughs> <laughs> but i i thought i'd just stop and pause you there and then the last thing because i want to tie back into right where you just left off because i want you to pick right back up because your story is so beautiful but um you and i ironically, uh, maybe didn't start the same way, but we ended up in the same place with a similar problem. And when I was um, 21 years old, I was working at Bear Stearns, which you will know has imploded. Yeah. And I always say, I think they imploded because they had this ethos all the way through their, their company and they were a pretty awful company. But when I worked for them, I had a boss who, um, there was a company dinner and he invited all of the men from the trading desk and all the uh, assistants who were ma male and he excluded three women assistants and I was one of them. And I walked right into his office and I said to him, uh, you know, I, um, I just wanna understand like, why am I not invited to this team dinner? And, and he said, why don't you sit down? And I said, no, I don't really feel like sitting down. I'm quite, I'm quite upset about this. And he said, um, well, if you wanna know the truth, you know, you'll be a distraction. And I said, did, did you just say that I would be a distraction? Well, yeah, there's lots of married men there and you're a young blonde 20 year old. Like you'll just distract people from what the dinner's about. But I was just like, oh my, oh my God. And I literally walked out of his office. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't even know what else to say. I just said, I just kind of looked at him like, is this really happening to me? It was my very first job. It was my very first, um, you know, and I was making a decent salary, not a, not a great one, but a decent one. And I walked into um, the, I literally walked from his office to the HR office. And I just said to her, this is exactly what he just said to me. Now I had no idea the power I had because at that point I could have, there's a lot I could have done and I probably would have won if I'd gone and sued and everything else. Literally two weeks later, they did cuts. I was the very first one. I had to walk into that HR office, get cut and walk out with a box in my hands with all my stuff. And I just thought, holy shit, you know, this just happened to me, but I was so young. I didn't know that there was like, I didn't know there were repercussions for that. You know, that, and I, you know, that was, out, yeah. in a way that was my me too story. It was, and I, I wasn't, you know, in that case, I wasn't sexually abused, but I was prevented from doing something because of my gender, because of my age, because of the way I looked. And, um, you know, and that, if I'm being honest, pretty much killed corporate life for me. <laughs> So whereas you were empowered, and I want to hear the rest of the story. No, so, so basically, it wasn't they sacked me. I just knew my career wasn't going to, um, there, they, there was an opportunity at another office that was 200 miles away. I think I kind of got the message. Um, yeah. but well, my let's carry on with your story, but I just wanted that, I wanted that connection point because I, I think we both had a similar trajectory and I gave up and you, <laughs> you did it. I think at that particular point, it was about learning about resilience, which I was fairly good at, you know, from kind of growing up. But I was really disappointed in myself because I could have handled the situation better. Um, but I was 16, right? So 
kind of left, got myself a job in a tech company. And it's a long old story, you know, which I won't go into now because I know we're mindful for time. But if I reflect back on that very early days, I just put my hand up for every opportunity that came along. I watched how leaders led, you know, and I mirrored those scenarios in my own head of how I would react. And as I got older, they become more in alignment with leaders that I aspire to because I was watching and I was learning. So I jumped jobs quite a lot. And there was a strategy kind of around that, you know, around earning more money. I set up my own business when I was 21. Um, I did that for a year, realized that I had no business acumen whatsoever, didn't understand what the taxman was, why he want my money, didn't understand that I could, you know, it was a training business because I was training about 22 different applications then. I didn't realize if I got a call in Edinburgh to do a training course that I didn't have to go and do that. I'd just find an Edinburgh trainer, put a markup on it and earn some money just sitting indoors, you know. I never had any of that knowledge that I have now. So it was, I think, end of year one, you know, it was a very successful business considering it had one person at the head of it um, and I had no outgoings or anything like that. So, you know, but I soon realized that that wasn't going to be, um, if I was ever going to run a business again, I'd have to be a little bit more of a grown up. Um, and I've done it subsequently twice. So obviously for the last kind of 12 years. Um, then I run back to corporate, uh, corporate again, trading 22 different apps. I often tell the story of um, I, I was doing a bit of desktop support. I was doing a bit of app training. And there was a guy that used to come down and fix the PCs, used to do the same job as me. And um, I thought he was quite cute. So I used to pull the leads out the back of the PC and log a help desk call for him to come down and fix them. And after about the sixth time, he said, like, is there something you want to say to me? And I was a lot younger then. I was like, I'm not being funny. Is there something you want to say to me? Like, Again, same cocky attitude. Um, and he, so anyway, he was like, I married him. That's the end of that story. Um, you know, not, and, and the thing is about that story is he and I worked for the same company, but over a period of 18 months, his career massively accelerated and mine didn't. And the assumption could be because he was a man and I was a woman, it had nothing to do with that. It was to do with the fact of the way that we operated at work. So from a corporate perspective, I truly believe the hours that I put in, how much I had my head down, how many things I couldn't go to because I was busy. At one point, I think people thought my name was busy because they'd say, hi, how are you? Busy. Do you know what I mean? I was creating this busy brand that was doing me no favors. Whereas he was getting out, he was networking, he was telling his story, he was gaining sponsorship, people that would open doors for him in, in other rooms that he wasn't in. And I was busy at my desk, right? So all of that exposure, worked for him right so he ended up running the team that he wanted to run in London and he still says that this day he ended up being my boss's boss his boss I think but he still says on this day on some org chart I work for him I'm not having none of it um but but he massively kind of you know accelerated his career and you'd think I'd watch that and go okay what's he got that I haven't that network that sponsorship that confidence to go and say what he wants to do and I still didn't pick it up anyway we got married had kids um and again, very two short maternity leaves. You do what's right at the time. The kids are still talking to me, so it's not that bad. Um, I had a wonderful lady that I stole from the nursery that used to, I used to drop my daughter off and she used to kind of, she was dissatisfied with where she was working. So I asked her to come and work with me. And she stayed with me for 15 years. And this story would not be this story without her. She had a seat at my table. She was a partner. I know for a fact, she probably saw my kids walk and talk before me, but she never told me. But having her there enabled me to really kind of go into my career. And I went back into investment banking, dotted across a load of different banks, uh, difficult times then, the times of, um, you know, the financial crisis. Um, so th with that came a lot of opportunity to kind of put your hand up before they wouldn't have given you the opportunity, but I was only one there. So it's like, okay, she's offered to do it. Let's let her do it. So 
a lot of kind of learning, falling on my feet, being prepared to fail, but fail fast. Um, and I learned a hell of a lot through kind of doing that. But generally was always kind of in tech anyway, but was always the only woman in the room. And that was a reoccurring sto story as I got more and more senior. And, and again, even at this particular point before I started We Are The City, I was still trapped in doing the doing. I still wasn't building a network. It was only when I was sitting at one big US asset management that I used to work for that I thought there's gotta be another way. And I took to the internet and I was looking for other women's groups and there was about four that were fantastic, but I didn't feel they were right for me. They were more kind of entrepreneurial. Um, and I remember talking to my friend Maggie Berry who runs Women in Technology back in those days before she ran WeConnect. And I was going, what about the women's networks? Like, what sort of, what sort of, and she's like, go and try them. I'm like, oh my God, they burn effigies of men. Why would I want to do that? You know, I was quite anti, which is so ironic. Um, and I went, I went to, I think it was Women in Banking and Finance, was the first ever event I went to. And I was petrified. I walked in, put my coat down, got a water, looked at this sea of women, put my water down, got my coat and I went. But what I wanted to do, what the burning thing was, and I was moaning to my husband, you know, where's the website for me? Where's, where's my inspiration? which kind of led us to build We Are The City. So very much a not-for-profit off the side of my desk. Um, let's build a website that's got everything on it that would encourage women to drive their own careers, networks, um, play events they can go. I mean, obviously the latter days, you know, webinars, things that are online. Let's tell stories of women that have been and seen it and done it. So we built up a very wonderful community of women that because we weren't trying to sell to them. We had nothing to sell. So over the first seven years, it was very much... You know, we're just going to give, 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 give. So then I decided I jumped through a number of kind of senior roles and I got to a point where my heart just weren't in it anymore. You know, I was I didn't skip into the bank every time I did anything with the other city women felt like I come alive. So it was it was time to go. And it was a big old decision. I remember when I gave up my job, I'd already written Heels of Steel. But I was sitting in my conservatory thinking, what have I done? What have I compromised? You know, my kids didn't go private school or anything like that. Um, so the financial side of it, I mean, obviously I'd cut our income in half, right? So all for perhaps something that was perceived as a whim, you know, but I had the, luckily the backing of my husband and over the next kind of in the last six years, we built that community up to have some commercial products, help companies attract, retain, develop female talent. We introduced the conferences, we introduced the awards, we set up We Are Tech Women four years ago, you know, as a place exactly like We Are The City, but for women in tech, we're still only 17% of the industry. From an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, 1% of funding goes to women, you know, 0.1% of funding goes to women of colour. It's, it's just got to change. So We Are Tech Women is kind of where we're at at the moment in terms of we've got the big conference coming up. Uh, we've had to virtualise that, which I'm sure you might ask me some questions about. But that's kind of been the journey. So along the way, sitting on a couple of boards, doing some work in schools. Um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but when you get to do what I do every day with women, it, it doesn't feel like work. Well, can I just say, because I have walked into your conference and I don't know, you know, I have a personal Instagram account. I'm not sure if you follow that. I don't really do a lot on it. I focus a lot more on Tech Pixies. But I went to your women, your event last year, the, the, um, the We Are Tech Women yeah, event. Yeah, We Are Tech Women. And I literally walked into that event. And, you know, and it's just, it was full of women, of, of every background. You know, it was not a room of white women. It was a room of every background. And I just remember thinking like, this is the dream. Like, this is it. This is, this is what I live for every day, you know? And I'm working with women 
who um who who have either they've been working in the in the tech environment but they in like in social media but they think oh social media is not that important or you know or they feel like an imposter and you know what you realize that when you go to these tech conferences the irony is everyone's talking about the power of social media like everyone and all of these movements that we're experiencing right now with the environment with george floyd with the me too it's all it's all happening because of social media. And so what I say to women is social media is very important and it's a perfect technology to start with because it's the foundation layer for all the other technologies. And, but I remember walking into your conference and just like how you described, you know, you wanted to feel like you walk, were walking into a place that you were, you know, that was, that was your place. And I just, I felt there was so much power in that room. Um, there were some incredible speakers. Um, just uh is it christina perez i mean she was like, caroline carado caroline oh she was amazing sorry, I got her name wrong. with her dog yes and of <laughs> course the dog was great everyone loved the dog but she was so powerful and um you know but just i just i vividly remember that day and so what you've created is a conference that's extremely powerful um and extremely um empowering in that way so I, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that first and foremost, and I do think people should um, join the virtual version of it. So let's talk about that because you were not planning on doing this one virtually. No, that one came as a complete curveball. So obviously when the thing started, when everything started in March, we were quite quick to respond in terms of what did we have planned? It was a physical event, but moreover, what we could do to help people during this time. So we very quickly spun up. I think it was probably one of the first. Um, uh, we are virtual brand, and we asked loads of speakers that we'd worked with in the past, would they come and help and pay it forward and give a session for people that were working from home and adjusting to that? And I put that email out. I think I, I put it out on LinkedIn on a Friday, and by Monday, I had like 45 speakers, really excellent speakers that had come and said, We'll give you an hour, like, we'll help you. So my team kind of went from thinking, Oh, this is we're going to have a little bit of a breather to, oh my God, here's 45 images you need to create. It's 45 webinars, liaison with the speakers and stuff like that. But we spun them up and they were free for everyone. And I think about 4,000 people have attended them and we're running them right through August. So do have a look. We are the city under virtual events and you can attend them. And the speakers are awesome. We've covered everything from tech topics right the way through to kind of getting more sleep, turning your home into a gym when you have no equipment. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. But the conference you know, let's be frank, right? As a business that has a, as a forecast of when money comes in and when money goes out, we were out of whack, right? Because all of our stuff was supposed to happen in November, big outlays, you know, conference venues are not cheap. You know, obviously sponsors going, oh, not sure what we're doing, kind of thing. So, right, okay, what can we do? And it really was a what can we do moment, kind of pull that conference back, virtualize it. What were the benefits? We can make it global. Right, everyone from all over the world could attend. We could triple the content. We could get speakers that are amazing because they're indoors, they're in the house, right? I'm not dealing with people's mad diaries where they're flying all over the world. So there was a, a lot of kind of serendipity, I think is the right word, is, is the word that kind of happened that brought all of that together. But you know, I won't lie to you, we're in the middle of it at the moment. We're kind of three weeks away. It's hard, it's, it's hard graft. And the biggest hard part of it is the technology because we could have the one most fantastic platform, but I'm relying on people's internet connectivity. And we had one yesterday where we was on a prep panel call and one of the panelists, their child was downloading a film, right? So their connection was going all over the place. So you're like, okay, we've got like over 70, I think there's nearly 80 people dialing in that day. So yeah, it's gonna keep me awake at night, but 
you know, and probably on the 27th, I'll have a large gin and tonic when it's done. But God, has it been a learning experience. And it's given my team something to get their teeth into, you know, and not worry because obviously we're an events business, right? So we rely on people, tickets. We've done Rising Star Awards. That's going to go, obviously you're part of that because you're one of our winners. Yeah. Um, that will go virtual, which will be a lot of fun. You know, there's not so much pressure with that one as there is with a conference because we've got people from all over the world. So we've definitely cut our teeth. We've definitely learned a lot. The great part of that is we've had calls with probably 25 different companies and organizations to share our learning. We're very collaborative at We Are The City. Um, you know, these are the platforms you can potentially use and this is the issues that we found with this one. So we want, we think there's a space for everyone and we want everyone to succeed. So, you know, I'm a true believer in sharing what we've done. I love that, but wait, wait, wait. I'll tell you about Big Marker and, the, you know, all the other things that we're doing. Well, what I love about this, and this is so important for people to understand, and we've got a lot of women who are listening to this who um, get overwhelmed. So they, um, they, you know, they think of all the things they've got to do and all those things you just described, you know, going from going from a face to face um, conference to an online conference. What will happen is the brain will go into overdrive and we'll say, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And then suddenly you're like, I, you freeze because there's too much to do and you get overwhelmed. And what I love about what you just said was you looked at it as an opportunity. And I think that's the first thing when you hit a barrier, you need to shift it from an, from a, from a barrier to an opportunity, you know, and I, I love the, the saying when someone's, I, and I can't remember, I was like youth pastor that said to me as a kid, but it was something like, you know, if there are no, if there are no boulders, if there are no barriers, there is no mountain, you know, and you can't get to the top of the mountain without going over these boulders and barriers. But the best way to do that is to, to first of all, reframe it as a positive opportunity. And you said it, you said it, you said things like, I love the fact that we don't have to fly people in. We don't have to worry about crazy schedules. They only have to show up through, you know, from their homes, you know, it takes away all that other, all the other challenges that you've got. And so, you know, I think just reframing that as a positive opportunity was, in, was an incredible way of looking at it. And then, and then just getting the team in motion. And of course you have a team, a lot of the women that come through our program don't have a team yet, but I do, I am a big fan of getting someone on your side right away. And I love that you look at the person who helped you raise your children as part of the team. And I think, yeah, I think that's so important because people don't realize that, um, you know, you cannot do big things alone. Like, you know, and there's that, there's that, there's a, there's a proverb that says something like, you know, if you want to, um, go fast, go alone. If you want to, I now I'm going to get it all wrong, but if you want to go far, go together. That's what the quote is. And I've always had a team, even when I couldn't afford a team, I've always had a team. I've always had someone helping me because you just, you just can't go faster. Um, and well, you can't, you can go faster on your own, but you can't go farther. And the and, thing is you'll wear yourself out, right? Yeah. But, but bear in mind for what the best part of seven years of running we are the city that the team was me and my husband, you know, I, I still see entrepreneurs. And even when you've got a team, you know, I still turn on my laptop on a Sunday. I'm still there on a Saturday. You know, I'm still answer. I'm never off duty. And that's sometimes not good for your own mental health. You know, so you need to put your boundaries in and be honest with yourself about what you can achieve on your own rather than running yourself into the ground. Because trust me, I've been there. Um, and it's really hard to do. I think especially at the moment, because Everyone's trying to find where their opportunity is. And it may not be obvious at the moment, but, you know, keep reading, keep being aware. You may have a really wacky idea, and, but, you know, my advice, try it. It might just work. 
I love that. Well, and there's a there's a book I'm reading right now called um, Meant for More, and she talks about you know when you get into that place of indecision, just pick a horse and ride it. You know, like just, just and again, do it. it goes back to my point. You've got to fail, fail fast, right? You will learn something. Most of my career was putting my hand up for things that I knew might go wrong, right? And and but God did I learn as a consequence of that. So a very different, a squiggly kind of line in terms of things that went well and things that went wrong. And and I think, you know, in the early days, I'd really beat myself up about when I perceived that I'd failed. It's, maybe it's something that comes with age, I don't know, but now I'm less hard on myself, you know, because we're all normal, right? And to her is human, as long as it isn't something bad, like that's got some massive consequence, you just, just know that we're, you're out there and you're doing your best. Yeah, I love that, that you're always doing the best that you can possibly do. And if you know that and you believe that, that's like the foundation of everything else. Yeah. Um, I, I, we, I want to open up for questions to know you've got to go. And we've got a lot of wonderful ladies watching. A bunch had to drop off because we have um, lives in our training, but we have some that are still here. So if you are watching live, um, I would love for you to ask a question. Um, and I've already got one question from Lisa Johnson, which is great. Um, and I'll, we'll tap into that in a second. But let, let me just touch on one more thought here. And obviously we are in a very sensitive time. We've got coronavirus, we've got George Floyd, um, we've got you know all sorts of other things that are going on in terms of equality and diversity. Why is equality and diversity in tech so important? And who are the leaders that we should all be following, with, uh, following and engaging with right now? Do you know what, whether it's tech or any other industry, none of them have got it right. Everybody's on a journey. If there was one company that we could hold up that said, you know, they've absolutely smashed it and whatever, then, you know, we'd all be following them, right? So uh, the first thing I would say, you know, and the problem with women in tech is it's, it's a little bit systemic in the respect that our curriculum in schools is still isn't that enticing. It still isn't that great. So even when you've got girls taking STEM subjects, when they get onto A-level, will they take it at university? When they leave university, are they coming out, you know, and choosing STEM careers? You know, there's lots of other organisations that are kind of for people that don't want to go to uni, right? I never went to college, I never went to uni, you know, getting people into tech. So you're seeing a surge there, but there's still not enough. But the thing is, when people do get into tech, and particularly women, we need to see role models, people that look like us, people that sound like us. You know, we need to see people at the top of organisations. So companies can't magic that overnight, right? So they've got to put in programs. They've got to think about their attraction strategies, you know, not just hunting for talent in the normal kind of either Russell or Russell groups, you know, and looking a little bit further afield. And, and I think for those women that are in tech, you know, we need to step up and tell our story. And whether that's, you know, whether you are a small business entrepreneur, look for that opportunity to go into a school to mentor a young girl you know to tell what it is that you do in tech there's so many kind of perceived stereotypes around what technologies are you know I'm just going to sit here and code um you know and all of those other stuff and actually you know you could be in so many different industries and still be a technologist so you know absolutely is it important we see more diversity in tech 100 we've got a panel about it on the conference are there lots of organizations pushing for that Absolutely, they are, but they're being underfunded. You know, they have to find their money. They have to scrape, steal and borrow from everyone. So the corporates need to do more. If they don't have the resources, you know, they have the money. So give them to these kind of not-for-profit organizations that are trying to build that pipeline of kind of future leaders for us. I love that. Thank you so much. And if you want to be inspired by some of these incredible leaders in tech, women, 
uh, diversity, everything, you need to be at this conference. So just give us the details of the conference. Now, we have five tickets. Tech Pixies has five tickets to give away. So if you're watching this and you want to go to the conference and you want to experience what it is like to be inspired, and we have women who are listening and watching right now who've already had that experience last year and they absolutely loved it. So if that's you, if you want to join uh, me at the conference virtually, um, definitely put in the comments why, and we will pick five people who are worthy of joining um, because we're very excited about that. All right. Now, there is a question that's come in, and this kind of goes back to finding the people to help you. Um, so this is Lisa's question. How do you find people to help or partners to work with? And I think it's, it's actually more along the lines of when you were saying, like, when you hired your the woman who helped raise your children, you actually hired her out of the nursery. Uh, and my, when I think about my first employee at Tech Pixies, um, it was my, one of my best friends, Emma Wu. And we used to go running together. And when we were, one day when we were running, she's like, I really want to go back to work. I just don't know what to do. And I said to her, well, I need help and I'll give you a job. And, and I, and it was like, I don't even know at the time, 10 pounds, 15 pounds an hour, just something, you know, to help me out. This was five years ago. And um, she was in, so important in, in, in the business. And um, she was the very, she was the person who was interviewing um, the people that came through our program. Cause it used to be, you have to be interviewed to get into the program. And she actually turned out, she loved interviewing people. She loved hearing people's stories. Cause there's really in interesting stories of women coming into tech pixies um, where they feel like tech's passed them by. They're a tech dinosaur, they're behind, et cetera. And she actually went into counseling. She's now got her own business as a counseling counselor because of all the stories that and the lives that she was working with at, through Tech Pixies. So she was my first hire. She's one of my friends. I went running with her, but I, I trusted her. Um, I've known her for a couple of years. So like, what about your first hire? How did you make that decision? Um, my first hire was my PA in London that used to work for me at Aviva. Originally, she used to work with my mum in a call centre. My mum said, I work with this young girl. She's really talented. Can you get a job, a job, get her a job up in London? So I took her on as a temporary PA to work for another member of my team. She ended up being my PA. She was there for five years with me. And when I left to set up to do We Are The City full time, she came with me. And that. she's still with me today. So she's been there since the day dot. You know, she used to go and do stuff for me before, you know, she as an extra piece of work, like to earn extra money. So she's been with me forever. I would say it's really hard to get the help and to find to finally get your team. It took me a few years to get my team kind of completely right and um, for whatever kind of reason. But and also you have to just think as an entrepreneur, you know, as much as you get great team members and things like that, no one's going to love your business like you do. And, and if you're looking for that loyalty in an employee, it's very, very rare to get, right? Because this is your baby. So um, so I would say, again, I've got a bit of a thing about hiring friends and family. You know, I did it a lot in the beginning. Now I tend not to. Um, yeah. No, that also yeah. makes so much sense because that can cause all sorts of problems. I was lucky that it worked out yeah. really well. Um, interestingly- I've got friends, kids, work experience. I do it that way. So lots yeah. of work experience, apprenticeships and stuff like that. So I do it that way. But my core team, um, generally, they've, they've all come from, we've interviewed them and they turn out to be the right people. But there's uh, quite a lot. We, and again, at the beginning, it's very choppy. People would come and go because we was a bit of a startup, right? We didn't really know what we was doing. We didn't really have a plan. Um, but now it's like the team that I've got are very, they've been with me a long time. They can probably finish my sentences. So, yeah. Well, then that's the best. Really we, one of the things I started doing was hiring women who went through our program. 
And what I've noticed is that because they've gone through the transformation themselves, they've done social media magic, they've had the transformation, they, and, they, and they're usually our top students and they usually embrace it 100%. Those are the ones that we end up hiring because they are fully invested in the, you know, they've had that transformation, they're fully invested in getting other people that transformation. So that, and then they become my friends uh, as they come onto the team in such a deep way. They're so important to me. Um, and, and almost every single person um, on our team has come through our program. And it's now, we're now starting to branch out and bring in some people that have built very big businesses and we're bringing them in, you know, multi, multi-million pound businesses and bringing them in to help us get to that bigger vision. And I think that's the other thing too. Wouldn't you agree? Like women, women don't, they don't think big enough. They, 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 you know, they, they just don't think big enough. And one of the challenges that I think both of you and I could make today to people watching this or listening to this is think bigger, you know, and, and it doesn't mean you have to do bigger now, but just start thinking bigger because things fall into place as you start to think about that bigger impact. Yeah. I mean, when I wrote my business plan, when I left corporate, because I was looking for some investment, I look at that now and I'm like, oh, wow. That was a bit of a pipe dream. I was really thinking like too big. I was solving world peace with what we were doing. Um, but it was a good exercise to do. But, you know, you're talking about thinking big. I mean, you know, I know for a fact at the beginning of my business, I didn't ask for enough investment, the money that I would need. So, you know, it slows you down because it's kind of, you know, it's very organic around how you grow. You know, if you don't have the right and things cost money, right? If you want to go and do something to make money, you know, it's the old speculate to accumulate thing. So, yeah, so I would say I agree. Think bigger. Think bigger. Yeah, and be brave. That's our theme for the year. Be brave. See, look, it says it behind me. Be brave. Yeah. All right. Um, and I know you got to jump in a few minutes, but we've got another question from Anne. She says, where would you go if you were not for tech as an elder entrepreneur? Okay, well, definitely come over to We Are The City and have a look over there because obviously there's loads of stuff running for entrepreneurs. And I don't think, you know, there's been a big focus on age not being a barrier and I'm quite right. You know, who's it? The guy that created KFC, like he was in his 60s, right? When he come up with that recipe. Come on, the world's your oyster. Don't let age be a barrier at all. So, and there's a lot of, um, if that lady connects with me on LinkedIn, there are some campaigns. There's like fab over 50. Um, I think I think they're the ones that do the businesses for like post 50 year old entrepreneurs. You know, I'm, I'm coming, coming up to that bracket. And so there are many, many different opportunities and different business incubators as well. Look at the, what the banks are doing. You can apply for one of their accelerator schemes where, you know you've got an idea you just need to flesh it out and you'll be amongst loads of other women that are kind of doing the same thing so have a look at them so tech incubators not tech incubators business incubators you'll probably find that your bank you, i know the a lot of the banks like have a look at natwest because natwest do a hell of a lot on this space um around the entrepreneurship side so go and have a look there oh that was great advice so Anne, re- you gotta reach out vanessa will sort you out okay So there was another question, which is really good, definitely for you. Um, I've been out of the city for three years now and was looking to go back, but considering my options, how do you see offices working and types of jobs post-coronavirus? Any thoughts? I think what you'll see is a hybrid model. I don't think from an economy standpoint that we can all just stay home. You know, if you think about it, it's not just the businesses, but it's the businesses that the businesses support, you know, the caterers, the cleaners, the, you know, the whole infrastructure that goes around the city. I think you'll see, and again, there's a panel, we're talking about this at the conference, but, you know, there are many different 
sites that you can have a look at to find um, like part-time jobs as well, two to three days. You've got TimeWise, uh, Duo Me, which is a job sharing platform. But I do think the companies will allow a lot more flexibility around working from home. Come on, banks have moved trading floors off and everyone's working from home, even with the regulations and everything that surrounds that role. So if they can do it, what I do think is going to be interesting is seeing how they get people back, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in the city on Monday and it was like a ghost town. I was literally like, oh my God, like having a look, there was no one around. But there are people busy in those buildings making them kind of safe for people to return. So, and but you've got like people like Barclays, for example, I think it was just Steely saying, you know, why have we got all these buildings, you know? So I think people will look at more regional hubs and, and stuff like that. But I definitely think it's a really good time if you're thinking of heading back into the city to come back. I would point you towards a number of kind of returners programs. We promote some on We Are The City, but a majority of the banks and consultancy have them, like back to work returner programs where you can kind of try before you buy. Um, so do go and have a look at that. Um, Morgan Stanley run them, EY run them, PwC, I say all of the major banks. There's also um, women returners, they have um, yeah, on their I stuff. wanted to make sure we didn't leave them out because they've got the full list. Yeah, they've they? got the full list. Do have a look at them, but yeah, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come back. And, and, and I think that's how, you know, let's, let's close on this because let's close on why it's important for women to come back, you know, and I think one of the, the stories that um, really hit, hit home for me and that I've, and that, and it was, and it was brought up at your tech conference, someone talked about it, but, um, and I thought it was so important. And it's not, and again, it's not just about women, but, and, and Suki Fuller, you know, Suki Fuller. I mean, she's the one who educated me. She said, look, Joy, there's equality and there's diversity and they're not the same thing. No. You know, equality is getting women in the door. Diversity is making sure that you're getting diverse women in the door, but it's not just women, it's diversity across the board. But she was very clear to, with me that there's, that don't think equality is the same for everyone. There's equality and diversity. And, you know, and I, and she really educated me on that, but I think, um, so I'd love for you, for you to talk about that for a second, but I just think it's, it's about, you know, the, one of the examples that I love was, was, is the example of the, um, and I'm gonna get the word wrong, but you know, you're the car and then you have a, you have a crash, the crash test dummy example, where the entire design of the airbag in a car was designed around a male body, uh, and male features and male, you know, and when the they test and then when the when the cars started getting the air um you know the the air balloons or whatever um, that's a that's the word i'm losing right now but when they started testing them women were dying because no one took into account the woman as a driver and that was i mean there were lives lost as a result so that's why i think women should be in tech um and and then in a diverse standpoint there's the famous case of, uh, and this was also brought up at your conference, of the woman who created, who um, was doing a research project and realized that she had no face recognition, that the, the app she was working with only recognized white faces and didn't recognize black or brown faces. So, you know, to me, those two examples are so powerful as to why we have to fight for equality, why we have to fight for diversity. Um, and so I just love your take on that as we wrap up here as to, to you know, why women should be intact, why we should be fighting for this. Why well, you need women on the table, right? It's the same thing. When we had the financial crisis in banking, there's an old adage, you know, if it was Lehman Sisters, would it, it would have it, it ended another way, right? And it's the same goes for any form of product design. You need that diversity. It's not just women. 
in the room to point out this will what wouldn't work for my community or this wouldn't work for my gender or whatever it is so that's why we need that it's not just women it's people from all backgrounds but firms need to make sure that they're opening their doors to encourage those people to walk through them so yes we need you back yes we need you to tell your stories we need to drag people behind you as you kind of you know come back to whatever it is you're doing entrepreneurship back into the corporate world but yes we definitely need you 17 percent isn't good enough not good enough not good enough well we're going to leave it at that you are good enough oh my goodness i feel so lucky so privileged to have you here what an incredible person to get to ask questions to to get to have a dialogue about and you know i think um just amazing and i feel like my community has just been blessed with a wonderful gift so um, have you <laughs> no because i get to bring the people in that just really make the difference so thank you so much keep shining and, light and one day we'll be calling you dame i'm sure Oh, I don't know about that. I got, I'm just very happy to get um, the Queen's honour a couple of years ago. It was very, it was very special. I got to go to Buckingham Palace. Who knew, right? Did you get to meet the Queen? Was she the one that gave I you the honour? I met Prince Charles. You met Prince Charles. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's good well, enough. It's just an I mean, that's such an incredible... <laughs> Well, it's so funny because my husband's got an MBE and he went and he actually had the, the Queen that when, when he went and um, she kind of looked, she looked him up and down. And was like, hmm, not quite what one expects, uh, because he was wearing sparkly um, purple shoes oh, wow. <laughs> and a purple suit. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fantastic. But um, no, congratulations on all the work that you do and Thank you. Uh, many, many more success, years and decades of success. And you know what I'm looking forward to is having the conversation when the gender um, gap in tech is gone, when the diversity yeah, gap in else. Tech is gone. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have that conversation in our lifetime. We are because you're working so hard on it. And I hope I can help you do that too. Brilliant. Thank you, Joy. And thank you to everyone in the community. Do check out We Are the City. Loads of stuff on there to inspire you. WeAreTechWomen.com. You can find the conference on there. And don't forget to tell Joy why you think you deserve to win one of those tickets. Um, but I hope to see you there. Take care. Bye. Bye.